Great. Thank you, Pastor Graham. My name is Andrew, and I am pastor here, and great to see those of you who are here, and once again, uh, great to be able to share with those who are online this morning. How y'all doing? Good. Good, good, good. So, um, <clears throat> today, uh, as we start Advent, uh, we lit the, the hope candle and, uh, and our focus, our emphasis today is, is hope, is hope. And, uh, and as I often explain, because I really do believe the, the Bible's understanding of hope is very different than the world's or our common understanding of hope, right? Um, I hope we don't get a snowstorm this week, right? But that's, you know, that's wishful thinking because we might. But, but the Bible kind of hope is different than that, right? The Bible kind of hope is, is the kind of hope that we have when we can see the light at the end of the tunnel and even though in this moment it might be dark and it might be hard and it might be difficult, we can see that there is something better ahead. And, and because God has made incredible promises in his word, because Jesus came into our darkness and then said, I'm coming back we can have hope. Not wishful thinking hope, but the confidence that something better is coming. Amen? Amen. So, as we talk about hope, um, the coming of Jesus, which we celebrate at Advent, is, is the coming of hope into our world. Humanity has shown that, that with all of our learning and all of our advancement, um, can, we, can we switch over the video there, guys, please? Thanks. Um, humanity has shown that with all of our learning and advancement, we just invent more ways to mess things up, right? If your hope is in you know, government to figure out things and fix everything is probably not going to happen. If it's in science to figure it all out, it's probably not going to happen. If it's in, you know, the, the next new business idea to figure it all out and come up with the answer, it's probably not going to happen. Jesus is our hope. Matthew 25, verse 34 says, um, this, is, this is Jesus telling us uh, a parable about the end of all things, when we all stand before God. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
our hope is that we are not just stuck in some meaningless loop of event after event and day after day and thing after thing. But God has been planning a kingdom for you since before creation. That this all started for a reason and it's all going somewhere for a reason. Doesn't that give us hope this morning? Right? We're not just putting in time. Life isn't just happening to you, but God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and He's taking us somewhere amazing. When God took on human flesh, He joined our fate to His. That's powerful. When God became one of us, He didn't just join us by becoming flesh, but He also, in becoming one of us, He brought us into... He didn't just come into our world, He brought us into His world. You understand that? He, he, he joined our fate to His. When He died on the cross for us, He defeated sin. When he rose from the dead, he defeated death. And our hope is no longer in hopeless humans, but our hope is in Jesus, our King. And we wait for his coming. So this week, we're going to talk about Mary's moment. Next week, we're going to talk about Joseph's journey. The week after that, we're going to talk about the shepherd's shock. And after that, the fourth week, we're going to talk about the Magi's mission. All right? All right, watch this. And we got no audio. Can we try that again? All right, thanks. Who's Mary? Joseph's um, wife. Mary, my Jesus' mom. Mary is the mother of Jesus. And who else was she? Of Jesus' mom. How did she find out that she was going to be a mom? Uh, an angel came to her and told her that she would be having a baby. An angel told her. An angel. How do you think Mary felt when she found out that she was going to be Jesus' mom? Um, good. She felt good? Yeah. It could could be scared, excited, or like surprised, but mostly I think surprised. Very surprised, but also extremely happy. Who was Mary's husband? Uh, Joseph. Who was Mary's husband? Joseph, to talk about Joseph next week. Next week we're going to be talking about Joseph. Jesus was Jesus' mom. Who was Mary's husband? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I got tried. <laughs> this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard. It's 
awesome. All right, let's, uh, let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Uh, You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, of, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word, be, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary, just an ordinary, extraordinary girl. There are those who teach that Mary was born different in some way to be able to carry the Son of God, that she was born sinless or perfect. But the Bible doesn't say that. It just shows us a portrait of an ordinary girl. Um, One great church father, Athanasius, wrote this. Not even his birth, speaking of Jesus, not even his birth from a virgin, therefore, changed him in any way. Nor was he defiled by being in the body. Rather, he sanctified the body by being in it. So in other words, what Jesus was was untaintable. He didn't need to be in a sinless vessel because whatever he touched, he purified. Whatever he touched, he sanctified. Um, Jesus came to us in ordinariness and simplicity. And if he had somehow, if Jesus had somehow been given a head start or a leg up, then it, it really would have been cheating, right? If Jesus was going to become one of us, he needed to become one of us. And Jesus became one of us fair and square. 
and he won our freedom, fair and square. So Mary was truly an ordinary girl, but she wasn't. Her quality was outstanding. In her ordinariness, she had caught God's attention. She was faithful in the small things. She showed kindness and integrity and perseverance. Two times the angel said that she had found favor in God's eyes. And two times in the passage that follows this, which we're not going to take the time to read this morning, where where Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, that it speaks of, who is an older woman who who is carrying John the Baptist in her womb. As Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, twice Elizabeth calls Mary blessed. She wasn't born sinless or different, or from noble birth, or anything like that. But it was actually her ordinariness that was part of God's reason for choosing her. She had no reason to be so remarkable, but she was. Mary, uh, many Protestants are nervous about honoring Mary. We certainly don't pray to her or ask her to pray for us, but the Scriptures say that all generations will call this woman blessed. It's okay to say she was blessed. She was an honorable and honored woman. Young woman. She was just an ordinary girl but one of extraordinary character. She was found faithful and thus was trusted with bigger things. Faithful in the small things, trusted with bigger things. God had been looking for just the right person to be trusted with a gift that would change the world and his attention fell on her. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God has plans to do amazing things yet on planet earth. He's not done with us yet. If he was, we'd be out of here. But while the church still lives and breathes and exists on planet earth, God still has a plan for us to be a voice of hope in our world. To be the only true voice of hope in our world. And a great... um, agent of transformation in our world. The question is, whom can he trust 
with the great things he wants to do. Who will he find in Bathurst that can be trusted with God's purpose for Bathurst? Like he looked for Mary, he is looking today for Mary's. He is looking today for people who he can trust with his plans and purposes on earth. He's looking for men and women who will position themselves by their extraordinary love, by their extraordinary kindness, by their extraordinary faith and obedience to be the kind of people that God can trust with his plan. Will he find a Mary here this morning? In you, in me. Mary was just going about her business. There, there's a tradition that says that Mary was drawing water from a well. It's just a tradition. We don't know what she was. She might have been hanging out her laundry. She might, I don't know what she was doing, but she was just going about her business on that fateful day. She, she didn't check her day planner and say, oh yeah, I forgot. I've got an appointment with the angel Gabriel today, right? She was just following her to-do list and getting done the things that needed to be done she was just, she just expected an average day, but it didn't turn out that way. You ever have a day like that? Right? You're, you're not expecting anything out of the ordinary. You go through your morning ritual. You're just doing what you do. But then a, a phone call, a doctor's appointment, a car accident, an unexpected blessing in the mail. Something changes everything and all of a sudden your whole world is different than it was 20 minutes ago. Right? What from Mary's side was something that was shocking and unexpected from God's side, was already part of his plan. In fact, something that he had planned from the creation of the world. But that moment, that day, in Mary's life, it was a shock. It threw her life into a tailspin. She's asking, what do I do now? How am I going to explain this to my community? What will I do if Joseph doesn't understand? How can I possibly be a mother? And a thousand other questions. But, at, but all of those things spinning in her head, all those questions, all those uncertainties, from God's side... 
He had certainty. He knew what he was doing. He had planned this and prepared this. And he had planted resources in her life so that she, he knew she would not just survive this, but she would thrive. She would succeed. She would do well. What seemed to come out of the blue, what felt devastating and scary was in fact a divining moment, defining moment that would, um, that would give meaning to Mary's life, that would shape her character and one day make her maybe the most renowned woman who has ever lived. Hope says, hope says, no matter what hits your life, you can trust the one who is shaping your life. You can trust the one who holds your life in his hands. No matter how unexpected it may be, no matter how disastrous it may feel in the moment, you can trust the one who was not taken by surprise. You can trust that whatever happens, God was not thrown off guard by it, not caught off guard by it, has already placed resources in your life so that you will thrive no matter what comes. So she's going about her business. And out of the blue, the archangel Gabriel just shows up. I'm sure t to meet an everyday average angel would be shocking enough, right? But this is Gabriel, one of the greatest angels of all. He himself said to Zechariah just a few verses earlier when, when he met Zechariah in the temple, he said to Zechariah, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of of God. In other words, he is one of the chief angels who has direct access to the Lord God. Next to God, Gabriel is one of the most glorious beings in the universe, and he shows up in Mary's laundry room or wherever she was, right? Just shows up. Is it any wonder that she's struck speechless? He, he, he gives her a greeting and then she doesn't even respond. And so in her shock and her speechlessness, the angel says, do not fear. Do not fear. Statement made by Almost every angel in almost every angelic encounter in Scripture, right? From um, 
from Gideon to Daniel to Ezekiel to Zechariah to Mary to Joseph to the shepherds, do not fear. Because not only is Gideon, or sorry, is Gabriel a, a, a glorious being who was pretty terrifying just to see him, just to encounter him, but now to hear what he's about to say to her, that's pretty terrifying too, isn't it? For, for a 14 or 15 year old teenager to hear you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. I'm going to be what? <laughs> right? Do not fear. <clears throat> the angel in this moment was inviting Mary to trust God no matter what happened. No matter what, trust God. Do not fear. See, fear was given us as fear was given us as a gift to protect us. Because if you meet a wild animal in the bush, you want to have some adrenaline to give you some strength to to run. Right? You meet a dangerous attacker or violent person, you, wanna, you want that rush of adrenaline to give you what you need to fight or flight, right? You, it was given us as a gift, but, but in everyday, in everyday life, most of the time, fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Your enemy, the devil, wants you to fear because fear will cause you to back away from your God-given destiny. Will cause you to back away from walking in the authority that God has given you as a child of God. He's sure been using this COVID thing to spread fear, hasn't he? And he wants to make you fearful, to cause you to back away from God's plan and purpose for your life. But when we learn to trust God in every situation, when we learn how good God is, when we learn to anchor our soul, anchor our life, anchor our thinking to the goodness of God, that no matter what happens to me today, this week, this month, this year, no matter what 2021 might hold for me, God is good, God has my back, and I can trust Him. When we anchor ourselves into the goodness of God, no matter what comes, we have hope. Mary, I can imagine, was maybe asking, why me? Why now? 
Why me? Why now? The people of God had been waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled for thousands of years. For thousands of years. The first humans, Adam and Eve, were told after they sinned, after they fell, after they had um, lost connection with the glory of God and felt naked and ashamed, God spoke to them and said, there is coming one. There is coming one who will crush the head of the serpent, will crush the head of Satan and free you from the curse. There is coming one. And they waited. And thousands of years later, about 2,000 years before Christ, God comes to Abraham and says, your seed, your offspring, is going to bring blessing that will, that will bless the entire world. The entire world will be helped, rescued, and strengthened by your offspring and seed. And the picture got a little bit clearer, but the promise didn't come yet. 700 years later, God leads Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, the people of Israel out of Egypt, gives them all kinds of prophecies and promises about the one who is to come. And the picture gets a little clearer, but the promise doesn't come yet. Moses says there is one coming. 300 years later, God comes to King David. says, your offspring will sit on the throne of Israel forever. There is one coming. And the picture got a little clearer, but the promise hadn't come yet. Another 300 years later, And Isaiah writes in his prophecies about the suffering servant that will come. He will be king and yet servant. He will be king and yet suffer. He will be pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. And the, the chastisement that will bring us peace will be upon him. And he, he prophesies about the prince of peace that will come. And, and his, his government will be ever increasing. But the promise doesn't come yet. And every time prophecies come, the picture gets a little clearer, but they wait for hundreds of years. When Mary heard the words from the angel Gabriel, she must have known that at some point, somewhere, there would be, born, there would be some young woman who would, who would bear this Messiah, who would be pregnant and be mother to this Messiah. She didn't, 
She didn't dream it would be her. Why me? Why now? Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God had been working behind all this time, all these centuries, all these millennia. God had been working every detail in place. towards the perfect moment, the fullness of time. I'm going to get a little Greek geek here for just a moment. There are two words in the Greek language of the New Testament for time. One is chronos, which is tick, 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 tick. The passing of time, second by second, moment by moment. And the second word is kairos, which is the perfect moment, the opportune moment, the appointed time, the divine appointment. Let me illustrate it this way. Tell a four-year-old child... In one hour, you get ice cream. One hour is the appointed time. It is the perfect moment. Right? But how many times between now and one hour from now is that four-year-old going to ask you, has it been an hour yet? Has it been an hour yet? Right? Because they are agonizingly experiencing the passing of Kronos as they wait for the Kairos. And Galatians here says, when the fullness of Kronos had passed, the fullness of those moments, moment by moment, month by month, year by year, awaiting the promise, awaiting the appointed time, awaiting the Kairos, When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son. Thousands of years of preparation, preparing the people of Israel, preparing the nations of the world, preparing the communication and transportation systems of the Roman Empire so that the gospel can go to every corner of the empire. Preparing every tiny detail so that the world was ready for hope to break in. In the same way, earlier in the first chapter of Luke, Gabriel, the same angel, brings word to Zechariah that after so many years of praying and wishing and hoping, he and Elizabeth would now, in their old age, bear a child. The moment had come. 
What are you believing God for? What have you agonized over the tick, tick, tick of Kronos as you wait for the appointed moment of God's breakthrough? As the days passed agonizingly slow and the promise is not yet fulfilled, how do you wait? Do, are you expectant? Or are you cynical? Have you let the ticking of the clock steal your hope? Or do you trust that you are one second, one minute, one hour closer to the fulfillment of God's promise for you? Gabriel, in this moment, lays out God's plan. This baby that will be born to Mary will be the Son of the Most High. He will sit on King David's throne. Wow! He will lead Jacob's descendants Forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary's doesn't understand how is, this, how is this going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. An amazing miracle is about to happen. But Mary seems to be given a choice to opt in. God beautifully involves a young woman as a partner in the greatest moment in history. Humanity's salvation hangs in the balance and she has a choice to make to make a great sacrifice and say yes or to choose her own comfort and security. God has no slaves, only willing servants. Mary could choose the path of trusting the one whose word will never fail, the angel says. Wow. Not one word of the Lord will ever fail, Gabriel says. Now there's a promise to hang on to, isn't there? She can choose to trust the one whose word will never fail. A path that will require great courage. A path that will lead to all kinds of unknowns, but will also be an incredible adventure like no other. Or she can choose to cling to a delusion of security and comfort and miss the adventure of seeing God's plan unfold in her life. Remember I said that God is looking for Mary's? That's 
guy marries and girl marries today. Looking for willing servants. Looking for people that will say yes. God has a mission to accomplish in the shallower region. Amen? And he's not just going to snap his God fingers and it happens. He is going to use men and women, teenagers and children, who just like Mary may think, why me? Why now? I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not important enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not any of those things. Why me? Why now? It's going to take people of courage who are willing to love until it hurts. I am so proud of you that we're doing this dinner thing on December 12th. You know that? The talk around town, I see people's comments on Facebook and they're messaging us and they're calling us saying it's amazing what... It's not about, it's not about us. It's about the love of God being shown to our city. People are going, what is this? It's foreign. It's strange. In the darkness of this world, it's shocking. But folks, this is what it means to love until it hurts. To give of ourselves a little bit. To show kindness and goodness. To serve in ways that cut into our time and our comfort. To speak when you want to be silent and to be silent when you want to speak. You're going to feel the burden. If you say yes to the Lord today, you're going to feel the burden of being pregnant with a message you can't contain. And if you say no to Him, I don't know if I want to be part of something like that. I don't know if I want to Sacrifice. I don't know if I want to be moved out of my comfort zone. You might be comfortable, but you'll also live without a sense of purpose and passion and mission. I want to encourage you today to say yes, to be a Mary. I want to encourage you today that no matter, come on up, Natalie. I want to encourage you that no matter what challenge you might experience, what, what you might have experienced in 2020, maybe you lost a lot. Maybe it was a really, really hard year. Maybe this week you're going to get a surprise that you don't want. I don't know. Maybe you're going to get a surprise you do want. (laughs) But whatever comes, you can trust the one whose promises and words will never fail.
Let's stand. I want us to sing that song again. He is here. is our Emmanuel, that God is with us, that God is here. Again, whether you're, it's not about this space, it's about Him. It's about how good He is, not how good we are. So whether you're here in this room or you're at home, in your living room, wherever here is, He is here. trust him and you'll never be the same our minds, our spirits, God, that we would see that 
the hope that is in you. That Jesus is our hope. That we would confess our need for a Savior and that we would trust in Christ today for the forgiveness of our sin, for the healing of our lives, and for the hope of eternity. God, I pray for each one of us today that no matter what we're facing, that we would put our confidence in you, knowing that you're not caught off guard by anything, but in the midst of every situation, you are our strength. You are our hope. You have already placed in our lives provision that we need to not just survive, but to thrive. And God, I pray today you would raise up Mary's. People who would say, God, I want to be a part of your plan to bring hope to our region. Use my life. I'm willing to to lay down my, my need for comfort and my need for security, to say yes to your mission. Say, God, whatever it costs, I'm, I'm your man, I'm your woman. Use my life to bring glory to you, to bring hope to this world. In Jesus' name we